Hello, Spectacular fans. This is your host, Greg Mashansky, and I want to apologize for the sound quality on this one. Our regular recorder, Pamela, at the time, took a dump on us. We used a secondary recorder, which was nowhere near as good, and some of the audio was a little bit unusable. I tried to salvage as much as I could. Anyway, enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, the Spectacular Spider-Man! Face it, Tiger. You just hit the jackpot. Otto Octavius was weak. Call me Dr. Octopus! From now on, we're poison to Peter Parker and Spider-Man. We're Venom! Green Goblin doesn't take orders from insects. The Green Goblin swaps them into oblivion! Oh, you better not get your goop in my hair. Spider-Man! Or menace! Someone is so getting the look. Tell me there's something better. Go ahead, try. You're listening to Spectacular Radio, only on Spidey-Dude.com and the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Welcome back, everyone. We have now arrived at Season 2. We're here, we're here, we're finally here. Looks like we made it! Yes, I just did a Barry Manilow song. I am so sorry. Joining <laughs> us, as usual, are my co-host, Zach Joyner, who's also the administrator and the owner of SpideyDude.com, and, and the host of Clone Saga Chronicles, and, of course, my other co-host, Mr. Gerard Delatour, the host of Mayday Mondays. Yay! Oh, that will quickly turn into boo once you start talking about the episodes. Uh, oh, oh, that's a tease. Oh, a tease. Uh, we also should mention that Jesse is off being a dad. Congratulations to Jesse Garrett. Um, it's I know he hasn't been on in a while, but he just, on the day that we're recording this, had his little baby girl. So congratulations to Jesse and to his lovely wife. Yes, and congratulations on him to being the first man to give birth, apparently. <laughs> just the way Zach just described that. <laughs> really? Oh, and by the way, to our, to our listeners, I hope you were able to find us. I know we changed podcasting networks without telling you. I know it's been over a year since the last episode aired. And oh wait, that's the actual show. So are you gonna do a prank where you release our our episode the last thing? What in the fuck? The <laughs> terror dogs. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I was going to say, uh, Greg, are you going to do a, a gag where we uh, release our final episode of, of covering the show with no audio? Well, I'm not going to do it now. I just gave the idea away. Well, you can edit that out. You don't have to see it. Are you Brad Douglas? You just fucking edit the reference out of the episode. <laughs> well, now I've got to edit that reference out. Actually, I might not. We'll see. <laughs> So, <laughs> if you don't edit it out, though, you need to keep in the conversation about us talking about editing it out, because that makes it even funnier. <laughs> of course, of course. I knew, but anyway, like I said, it's been a, obviously we'll probably have talked about this more in detail when we talk to Greg about it in a podcast that will be posted before this one. <laughs> so, but yeah, the show went uh, Kids WB died, the show was homeless, then it went on to cable, and Episodes aired in Canada first, Bulgaria, and even Australia long before it aired. 
in the states. I never even watched season two on the air in the states. I just, yeah. Uh, I mean, because I knew it would get spoiled for me. I knew I couldn't wait, so I would just download the damn things off a of BitTorrent as they aired in uh, other English-speaking countries. You didn't, even, you didn't even have to go that far. They were showing up on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't want to. Yeah, but I didn't want to watch on that tiny little YouTube screen. <laughs> oh, excuse me, Mr. Connoisseur. Um, but uh, although I do have to correct you, uh, Kids WB had been dead for quite some time. I think you mean CW Kids. Right, 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 or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> it went off of a network uh, TV Saturday mornings and showed up on cable. Yeah. Which is another problem, because at the time, I don't think Disney XD was a common common network in cable packages. It is now. Yeah, so, Gerard, I imagine, I, from my understand, you had an even longer wait to watch in Season 2 than either of us. Yeah, you know when I watched the first episode of Season 2? When? An hour ago. All right, so, so let me explain this. The first season I had seen a few times, I saw it when it originally aired... On TV, and then of course I saw it because I had the DVDs and such. Uh, I've deliberately held off on watching season two because I want to ex- try to experience it fresh as we go. I'm aware of all the major spoilers and things like that. You know, it's, there, there are no big surprises, but as far as uh, the, the minute-to-minute reactions to the episodes, you're going to be getting relatively fresh perspectives from me from here on out because I have never seen these episodes before. Maybe, may, okay, I take that back. I think I caught one of them. At some point, but other than that, yeah, it's almost entirely fresh. So, uh, so, so, Zach, did you uh, wait for the states to air season two first, or did you I, do what I did? I, what I did was, I I did watch a couple episodes on YouTube, and then I had Disney XD because we had like the because our cable package was one of the higher tiers back when it was on the higher tier cable packages because we got it got our internet and stuff for free and got a discount because my dad was a he was a uh, distributor for internet so they gave us a, a pretty good deal on DVR and stuff so we ended up getting Disney XD but anybody that had Toon Disney had Disney XD so pretty much it was if you had satellite and you had like the kid package sounds bad um, <laughs> oh dear if you had the, the children's package, then you had then you had Disney XD. But uh, I also watched it when it was on Vortex. But it's been so long since since I've seen it that these are very very fresh to me. So I'm assuming Zach, you're watching off the Blu-rays for basically for the first time, even though you've seen them before, because yeah, it's it, been so long that they're they're pra- practically new to you. They are practically new to me. I you know I mean there's. I remember Miles Vaughn being on the episode, but I didn't remember the circumstances specifically. So, okay. Um, okay. To learn more about Miles Vaughn, listen to Clone Saga Chronicles. Oh, wait, Zach, that's your plug. Uh, yeah, you stole my <laughs> plug. Well, Greg, you're on Clone Saga Chronicles, too. It's not like you can't plug it. That's true, although when I, I didn't come on until after Miles Vaughn was quote-unquote killed. <sighs> right. Miles Warren was killed. Uh-huh. He's not, not currently fearing books at this exact second, right? <laughs> he might, he's not conspiring to clone people, is he? No. <laughs> <laughs> comics are just, you know, comics.
comics, comic books are turning into like a tornado of diarrhea where everything just sickly. You could stand in one spot and stick your hand out, and you know the the stuff will slosh between your fingers, but it'll eventually go away because it turns around the giant tornado. But eventually, it'll come back and hit your hand again. That was the most extraneous metaphor I think I've ever said on anything. I apologize. Yeah, that one got away from me. Literally, <laughs> and, that, and that's staying in too. <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> okay, but serious discussion. Since we we brought up the whole airing thing, uh, it's always been argued how severely that delaying it in the United States. Ha- let me let me start that sentence over. It's always been argued to what extent delaying it in the United States affected the show's success and the fact that it was canceled at the end of the second season. Because some some people think that that's the primary thing that killed it. The fact that it was so available so widely beforehand that it, it severely undercut the the ratings, Can or I the fact, to... or the fact that it was just on a show a, a channel that very few people got at the time. What do you think? If you had to wait, how big of a factor do you think that was? I'm sure it was a factor in some ways. I don't think it was the only factor. I think the biggest factor was, of course, Kids WB dying. And we know that the show was canceled before Disney bought Marvel. But um, I I think it was a storm of bad luck and a lot of really bad – I think the timing was just the biggest factor on everything going down with with this show. And uh, on that note, I would like to say to our listeners, I value each and every one of you, except for you people who just seem to want to talk about why the show got canceled and you wonder why we don't talk about that more often. You know who you are. Whoa! Whoa! That's harsh, man. It's not undeserved, but it's harsh. (laughs) Jeez. Jeez, I haven't heard you call somebody that for like a week. <laughs> There's a part of me that wants to like use my executive veto powers. Like, whoa. Zach, you have no you have no power here. <laughs> you have no power. There's a part of me that wants to break out the, the, the anchor man. There's a part of me that wants to break out the anchor man clip and be like, well that escalated quickly. <laughs> Zach, Zach, you're on a show with Greg and I simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> like if things aren't weren't gonna escalate before, they're guaranteed to escalate now. You crazy New Yorkers! Right. Yeah, and it, yeah, be, watch what you're asking for, because there's a crazy New Yorker that's inching so, so, scarily close to a certain uh, white building in Washington. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm gonna say about that. And you can tell when we recorded this, it was before November, and that's all we're gonna say about that. I guess the ultimate conclusion is it didn't help, but it wasn't the deciding factor by any stretch. Not at all. Yeah, and I I hate that, and we'll talk to um, Greg Wiseman about when they canceled the show, but it's very, very frustrating as a fan of the show. It just had a really horrible bad luck. I mean, and it wasn't the show's fault it was canceled. See, now I'm trying to think back to the time period because we were getting a little far ahead. We probably want to save that for the end of the season. But I'm trying to think now because the time gap that between – it was about a year, like Greg said, right? Yeah. Between going well, off of the CW it, and starting on – It depends on when it aired. I mean, it 
I mean, as I recall, the season ended on season one ended. I think it was in April or May around then, and I know it started showing up illegally in January, but I don't think it started on Disney XD until May. Then they aired a few episodes, and then they went on a long hiatus, as I recall. I yeah, wasn't I watching it, was it like, live, but... I think it was like two months for some reason. No, it was the entire summer it may have, or something. I don't know. Well, because well, um, I'm trying to try to put my mind back into that time period. I'm having trouble remembering how okay. how well advertised or publicized this change was I, I, and whether or not it was consistent. I, I remember... I remember people asking Greg for months, when's the show coming back? When's it going to air? And he would say, I can't tell you that. I mean, apparently they knew, but he couldn't say for months for some reason. The, um, all right, so here's here's what I've just found. March 2nd, 2009, uh, ICV.com, uh, which debuted, okay, Spe- Spectacular Spider-Man animated cartoon series, which debuted on the Saturday morning for kids blog on CW Network, is moving to Disney XD cable channel, formerly to Disney, where it will premiere on Monday, March 23rd at 7.30 p.m. Switch to Disney XD is being supported by Happy Meal promotion at more than 15,000 McDonald's restaurants in North America that is set to run through March 26th. The first episode hmm. shown on Disney XD will be rebroadcast of episodes from the first season that have already aired on CW, but the new episodes from season 2 will begin airing on Disney XD this summer. That didn't help, I'm sure. Yeah. Also, I, uh, okay, hold on a second. Now I'm looking at the source I have here in front of me says, uh, "Nature versus Nurture" aired on June 14th, 2008, and according to this, uh, Blueprints didn't air until September 29th, 2009. On Disney XD. Yeah. That's weird. Very Ooh. weird. Yeah, it is. Well, that, that makes sense, though. They showed all the season. I remember because they showed all of season one, and you know replayed that, and then they they viewed it that fall, season two. Right, and then and then okay, so I'm not so sure about this though because it says all right, we got September, then uh, three episodes October, two episodes November. After the 19th, or the sixth episode of the season, it was on November 24th, 09. Episode seven didn't air until January 31st of 2010. And then there wasn't another episode after that until the next October. Well, I think... Okay, here's that, can't, that can't be right. That doesn't sound okay. right to me. Okay, Disney buying Marvel aside, the biggest reason this show is canned, so let's be honest, I think we can all agree on this, criminal mismanagement. Yeah. Above, like, oh, yeah. above, like Wiseman's head. <laughs> Way above its head. I mean... Sony didn't realize what they had until it was too late. No. Oh, they, oh, I'm sure they knew the Spider-Man license was gold. I mean, they did as much as they could to keep it. So much, They tried so hard to keep it, they were destroying it. <laughs> you so, were supposed to be the Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, We've geez. read your emails from WikiLeaks. I mean, wait. <laughs> those weren't from WikiLeaks. That was some some other prominent female. That was the that was the Koreans. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey Kim Jong Un, if you're listening, can you find out why this show was canceled for real? <laughs> <laughs> eh, he's got nothing better to do other than to get stupid haircuts and try to play basketball <laughs> with Dennis Rodman. Yeah, his friend. All right, and um. I think we've exhausted that topic again, and um, 
<laughs> I apologize for bringing it up. I'm sorry. And I apologize for my language that has been bleeped out and none of you will ever actually hear. So you all try and guess what I was saying. Oh. <laughs> You're welcome, America. You're welcome. <laughs> Alright, anyway, on to the episode. Okay, Blueprints, written by Kevin Hopps, directed by Jennifer Coyle, and um, I've got a recap here. While out in patrol, Spider-Man mulls over the kiss Gwen gave him on Thanksgiving. He is suddenly attacked by Venom, who urges him to join with the symbiote again and latches onto him with with his tendrils. As the symbiote slowly envelops him, Spidey falls off the building screaming. Peter wakes up, wrapped in his blanket, and realizes it was all just a dream. But to make sure... but to make sure he visits the ESU dorm where Eddie is supposed to be, only to find Eddie grabbed all his belongings and left. At home, Peter laments the cold weather, preparing a to-do list, and finds Aunt May in the process of making pancakes. Scolding her for pushing herself, Peter attempts to take over, only again to prove that he can't cook. At school, Peter attempts to talk to Gwen, only to amount to an awkward silence interrupted by the school bell. At the city docks, a shipment of advanced computer equipment for ESU is attacked by Mysterio, a cloaked and helmeted figure who proclaims his intent to save humanity from the evils of technology through his master of the arcane, mastery of the arcane arts. I'm um, sorry, you just refer to him as a helmeted character? I have to dispute that. <laughs> okay, a cloaked and fishbowl figure who proclaims his intent to save humanity from the evils of technology through his mastery of the arcane arts. That's much better. Causing himself and the shipping crate to vanish in a cloud of green smoke. At school, Peter and Gwen's awkwardness infuriates Liz Allen, who begs who begs Peter to help her tutor her in order to get him in order to, you know in order to hug him all to herself. Peter Mysterio attacks an armored vehicle, summoning a monster to intimidate the guards. But it's confronted by Spider-Man. Mysterio easily bets Spider-Man and throws the vehicle into the river. And Spider-Man catches a cold, saving the driver. And that driver happens to be Mr. Greg Wiseman. Once the, ve- once the vehicle is recovered, the Daily Bugle blames its contents theft on Spider-Man. Because of course it would. However, Liz remarks that magicians rely on misdirection to fool their audiences. While at the, while at the table behind them, Gwen watches and confines her troubles to Mary Jane. Elsewhere... Dr. Connors, his wife, Martha, Martha! (laughs) Why are there so many Marthas in comics? Because isn't Robbie's wife also named Martha? (laughs) I think about it. Goddamn. Norman Osborne and the science teacher, teacher Mr. Warren, welcome back Dr. Miles Warren from overseas to to ESU's faculty. Martha Connors laments Eddie's appearance, and Norman and Kurt conv- and Norman convinces her and Kurt to reinstate Peter. Norman is but Norman is interrupted by a phone call from Donald Menken, where Mysterio is attempting to raise to raid Oscorp. Spider-Man arrives, and Mysterio summons a horde of homunculi to distract him while he makes off with the technology. Spider-Man realizes the homunculi are actually advanced robots and launches onto the device just as it vanishes. Mysterio returns to his lair, an abandoned prop house, and Spider-Man confronts him. Mysterio acknowledges his magic to be a mix of acting, technology, and illusions. And after Spider-Man defeats his gauntlet of traps, summons a horde of not an illusion robotics robotic double spider-man confronts the real mysterio quote-unquote 
and disassembles the robots and Mysterio unmasks himself to reveal none other than Quentin Beck, Chameleon's former accomplice. Returning home, Peter glumly goes over his still unresolved to-do list, again catching Aunt May at the stove, this time cooking eggs. Aunt May notices his cold and pokes fun at him before giving him a letter from the Daily Bugle containing an exclusive freelance contract and an advanced payment. Peter makes plans to call Gwen and tell her good news as well as have a much-needed discussion, but is interrupted by a call from Norman Osborne who informs him that he has been reinstated the Connor's lab and offers to his services as Peter's mentor. Peter reluctantly agrees to meet with him while the, and while at the prop house, Tinker meets with Beck who ha, who is hidden and letting an Android be arrested in his place. Tinker scolds Beck for his arrogance and places a call to someone called the Master Planner, informing him that everything has gone all according to plan. And that's the recap. Da, da, da. And that's... Uh, there's quite a few things to say about this episode, but one thing I do want to say is I think visually this episode is gorgeous. And I'm not talking about all the props and the environments at the prop house. The snow. Uh, yes and no. <laughs> no? Well, I'll save that. Okay, I, lo- I love the snow, and Greg, you know this because we've had arguments about this, because I love the snow, and, and you, as, a, as somebody who lives in a house, hates it. Yes. <laughs> but uh, uh, the one problem I had with it is in order to show the actual effect of snowing, they added, like, a post-production effect, but which is fine, because you don't want to animate that. There's almost no way to do it. The problem is, they didn't adjust for the angles of shots. So, the angle of the snow falling was the same regardless, and then you'd have a shot that was, like, a Dutch angle, but the snow is falling at the same, <laughs> the same exact direction as it is at, like, the reverse Dutch angle, which is really jarring. If you know if you know that that's not how it would work in real life, or it, it, if they had animated it in any other way, I guess the point is they should have adjusted the uh, the effect that they had laid over the animation to account for the angle. But either they just didn't by some sort of oversight, or they just perhaps just didn't have the time or oh, the money to do it. I don't know. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is. This is why we bring him on. I mean, I didn't notice this. No, no, we bring him on. For, we bring everyone on for honest critiques. That's why we're all here. <laughs> I know. We're calling it like we see it, but nerd. <sighs> of course, you would say that. <laughs> you, you live in Texas. They don't teach math down there anymore. Back over we teach common core math. Damn it. And all right, Zach. So, so quick. What's two plus five minus three divided by six? <laughs> and then you have to write out a, you have to write out like a, a fucking like a, a, you have to write out like a differential equation just to solve it because that's how Common Core works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Moving on. That, yeah, I get what you're saying. I'm sure if I notice it, it'll bug me a little bit too. But it's just one of the things I like seeing because I like the changing of the seasons on shows like this. It's so rare. Mm-hmm. Well, it's rare. It's rare for a reason because especially with animation. Well, that and the fact that, forget about the just the overlay, just in terms of laying out, like in movies and television and shit, when people go, oh, I gotta stop, I gotta cut down the swearing, sorry. When people go walking through snow, it leaves footprints. But, so for a movie, that's a continuity problem, because you'll have to constantly account for footprints. But on, on a cartoon, you, do you just show that? Do you ignore the footprints? Do you ignore them sometimes, and then show them when it's important to the plot, or do you want to you know what I mean? There, there, there's a an inconsistency issue with displaying snow on the ground and and how it interacts with the characters. As far as I could tell, it seems like they just went the route of just ignoring it, so there are no footprints in the snow. 
but I'm sure there was a spot or two where, where they did it just for dramatic effect. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but yeah, the use of winter just, I mean, when Peter dives into the river to save Mr. Wiseman from the ice river, I mean, watching this, I kind of shiver myself just because you, you stop and think about that for a moment. And he's wearing a skin-tight outfit. One thing I will definitely say is a positive, though, is that introducing different weather effects also changes the characters' wardrobes, and that's always a welcome change yeah. in a cartoon. I think it's 5.8, 5. 5. by the way, dickhead. <laughs> I love that this guy actually sat down and figured it out. <laughs> this is definitely staying in. <laughs> that whole time, you're racking your brain. The entire time, I not even yeah, Now, the best part is... <laughs> oh. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. I was going to say, the best part is now, with, with all that being on audio, like on a recording, now anyone can, that's listening can check your math and make fun of you if you're wrong the next time we record. <laughs> Big Al, I'm talking to you. I know you're oh listening. Ah. Just an e- e- email at spect- spectacularradio at gmail.com and tell us the exact same answer was correct. Because if it isn't, I'm just going to laugh at him for about 10 minutes at the opening of the next recording. This will happen. Guys, do it. Do it. Dang you might even get a prize in the mail. Actually, you won't, but. <laughs> no, you might. You know what? I might actually furnish a prize to somebody. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. Oh. But yeah, I, right. I agree. it's cool to see the wardrobes. I think this is my favorite MJ wardrobe in the in the series. She's kind of got this uh, yellow, black skirt and this yellow top with, under the jacket and a scarf. I think she looks, she looks good in that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, can we talk about some random cameos? Oh, yes, yes, we've got to do that. First of all, there's Stanley's obligatory cameo, because it's not a Marvel product, even though this isn't a Marvel product, without Stanley's showing up. It was fun to see him, hear him. Both. Now, all right, now, this, uh, uh, yeah, and then you have Greg Wiseman. Okay, okay, because he's the guy who was driving the truck. And correct me if I'm wrong, but is he the voice of Donald Menken? Yes, he is. Okay. Hey, when you're the boss, you can do you can give yourself little perks like that. <laughs> but yes, but yes, Stanley's cameo was a lot of fun. I mean, it's just the line of dialogue they gave him was. Uh, I like the first one about sticking his tongue to the side of a ship. The one about being punked is the most one of the most dated lines in the entire series. I mean, yeah, I know two thousand two thousand nine. Yeah, but does anyone actually remember that? I remember Ashton Kutcher randomly attacking <laughs> random celebrities with hidden cameras. Yeah, I agree, but for a show that's for the most part kind of timeless, I think the, <laughs> that line about being punked is really dates it. Does Ashton Kutcher even still around in the year 2016? Because I don't know what he's doing. Uh, he just got done doing the, I mean, last year I think he did the Jobs movie. Well, I know he married Mila Kunis, which is appropriate. And, and, he, uh, and he procreated. Oh, God, Jackie and Kelso reproduce. That's going to be a really dumb kid. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> For those of you who watch that seven minutes show, you get it. I'm not actually making fun of them as people. <laughs> but, um, yeah. 
but yes, I enjoyed Stan's cameo. And on a personal note, I almost got to meet Stan at New York Comic Con. I wanted to. It was his last appearance at New York Comic Con because he's really getting on. I mean, ninety-four the, years old. Ninety-four. But I got there. The photo ops were completely sold out before I even set foot in the building. And uh, and the line for him, it was almost a three-hour wait in line. And uh, I just couldn't do that i mean just i i couldn't stay in one spot for three hours well it was very important for you at this con to be available to listen to marvel's comics people announce absolutely nothing oh i didn't even go to their panels i didn't even go to any panels. It's critical that you don't admit that with zach at the room <laughs> oh, what are you oh, doing oh there were no press passes this year so i don't have i can admit anything Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot that. That yeah, explain that. That's why I wasn't there. Yeah, because they were. Passes, they decided to. At least... If we had press passes, he would have gone. But anyway, I would have liked to have met Stan. Oh, did you notice Steve Ditko's cameo? Uh, 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 I quit, and I was like, "Is that supposed to be?" It was one of those kind of things. Well, no, Steve Dicko's cameo. You see, they're at the docks. The camera's focusing in, stands out the stage line. Steve Dicko quickly jumps into the river before the camera can focus on him, which he must not be seen. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. And then, and now he's going to write us an angry email about how we all are terrible people and we're wrong he about everything. He doesn't have email. <laughs> Yeah, he has no ability to listen to podcasts either. Stop fooling around. I mean, the man... Oh, let's never... start missing on uh, our episode. Yeah, let's, let's start focusing on the episode. Yeah, you're kind of cutting out, but I'll say, there is right and there is wrong. There is black and there is white. The Spectacular Mr. Ray <laughs> podcast coming soon. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> but moving on, this episode introduces Mysterio for the first time, and the use of him here actually kind of reminds me of the Spider-Man 2 video game, and I kind of like that. And I don't mean in the sense, I mean, in the Spider-Man 2 video game, he was pretending to be an alien, doing these alien things, and uh, here he's pretending to be a sorcerer. I like an over-the-top, really hammy Mysterio, because what other villain can he really get away with this kind of crap with? Although, it, it, it would have been better if they had done it like the Spider-Man 2 game, because in that game, every time you encounter him, he's less and less effective, <laughs> to the point where you finally defeat him for the final time, he's holding up a convenience store. <laughs> that that was the best part of that entire game, and that was a good game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Zach, what did you think of Mysterio? Mysterio was one of my favorite parts of the episode. Sorry, I've been waiting all. I've been waiting all season to do that. You know, couldn't do it in season one. Now I can do it. I can do my Mysterio is superior to all of you with his master showmanship. Demi tot Spider Man. I can't do all the like mumbo jumbo that hocus pocus crap that he does. I feel like oh, I, yeah. I felt like I was watching an episode of Doctor Strange in regards to that, but. All the Latin, and some of that Latin was actually pretty hilarious. He was sprouting out gibberish. Actually, hold on just a moment. I know for a fact that, that there's translations of this on Ask Greg. Let me pull this stuff up because this is some of this stuff is pretty funny. Okay. What he, what he was saying. Okay. While you're doing that, I'll, I'll, I'll give more of my thoughts. I, I liked Mysterio in this episode. I liked that he's a bit arrogant. 
Um, I loved the voice actor that did Mysterio, and I liked the Mysterio episode that um, <sighs> really adapted his first appearance in, in uh, the animated series, Spider-Man animated series. So I that had a pretty high bar for me. So this one meets and exceeds it. A great way to start the season. Um, I liked Mysterio a lot. I think it was a great opening villain. I mean, I I, I enjoyed him. Obviously, it was an opening villain for the series. For the first season, I th- he was someone we haven't seen before, so it was that was a great way to start out. And he's a Lee Ditko villain. You can't go wrong with Lee Ditko villains. Well, we'll talk about that next time, but... <laughs> oh, dear. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up being Captain Contrarian again, aren't I? That's, well, that's, that's what you do best, isn't it? That is your default setting, except, in Mayday, uh... except on Mayday Monday's universe. Okay. Yeah, well, I, 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 I'm telling you, that that was wrong on Mayday Mondays is a completely different guy. <laughs> okay, all right. I've got his uh, the translations of his Latin here. Okay, the things he shouted. Dormi, which is sleep, that's Latin. And uh, I can't read this, but um, the translation is, I have finally found an effective diet. <laughs> and then this other one is, I believe Elvis is alive. <laughs> he used that one a couple times. And here's one. Thank you for not smoking. Nice. I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> nice. And, He's and, then there was the, and then there was in for you're in for a world of hurt, which she actually did say in English and in Latin on the show. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, like I said, I like the actor who played him and um, and uh, Xander Berkeley, who was in Terminator Two, is. Um, as John Connor's stepfather, Todd. And, of course, in 24, it's George Mason, who um, died sort of heroically in season two, flying an atomic bomb out into the Nevada desert. <laughs> and, and that's... Um, yeah, and, and I... And on top of that, I, I enjoyed the fight at the studio, all the diff- different backgrounds, all the... Uh, you, you know, all the the props and everything. I think my favorite bit in that fight scene is Spidey's fighting all those mysterious robots in the saloon and one comes up from behind the bar and hits him over the head with a bottle. <laughs> Did you all catch that? <laughs> yep. A classic, uh, classic Western saloon fight move. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed that one. That one. And, um, Gerard, what did you, what did you think of Mysterio, Captain Contrarian? All right. First of all, I'm going to come around and say it. I know I sound terrible right now, folks. Apologies. You had some problems. So I'm sorry for sounding so awful on this episode from here on out. But uh, it'll probably help lighten the load of the horrible things I have to say. Uh-oh. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love Mysterio as, as a character to an extent. Um, the problem with having him as a character that recurs a lot is that you get the same plot over and over again. Obviously, that isn't going to be an issue, something like here, where he's only going to make a handful of appearances. But... <sighs> It's hard to really put my finger on why I didn't like him here. I suspect it's because even though he's about as hammy as you, you know, he usually should be, because he should be a very hammy villain, judging from his gimmick and so forth, I, I feel like he's almost jarringly hammy beyond the point of entertainment and just becoming to the point of just being grown and do things. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's maybe one step a little too far, if you stuck this exact performance into something goofier, say like an ID show or even like Amazing Friends or something like that, would fit right in and it would be perfect. But I feel like for this show, it might be a little too much. 
almost as if he walked in from a different show entirely. I get what you're saying. I've heard that criticism before. I mean, and I even understand it. It didn't. It, it, I enjoyed him, but I can see why somebody wouldn't. Yeah, and, and I and I have to preface this by saying I do love the stereo. I even love the the, the weird uh, comic strip version where he was what like Hadley Harper. <laughs> I even like that version of the stereo. But uh, yeah, I will say this though. I did like the the aforementioned uh, fight in the in the studio where they're going, especially the part where they get into the saloon, because I love Western. Of course, a good old saloon fight. I'll, I'll settle for that no matter what. Even in that one Star Trek Next Generation episode, I think they had that saloon fight. Yeah. And, I just, <laughs> and, and I just loved how the... We're not going to talk about the music, but I did like how the music kept changing depending oh. on the environment. He was saying inside this, the studio. That was a mm-hmm. nice touch. Yeah, although one complaint I to, to tie into what I was saying earlier about him almost being jarringly hammy, though, I felt like the fight against the uh, homunculi was a little... Uh, I didn't like that. That was crazy. Yeah, they they come back a couple more times, just warning you now. <sighs> no. And uh, as far as the visual goes, I, I didn't like the way they did his helmet and the shadow on his helmet. It looked like it was missing an effect, you know what I mean? Where it should have had... It would have been fine if they had more of a glow to his helmet, but the way the shadow was placed just made it look really weird. I kind of felt it looked like there was an alien face under there at times. Well, not even that. It felt like there was an alien face on the actual bowl because of the way it was drawn. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I don't know, this is something for you to ask Greg, but was that the intention... Because well, um, I look at that, because when I look at that, all I see is maybe the animation effect that they were going to use was never completed. And so this is not the version you're supposed to, you're not supposed to look like this. Well, luckily we'll know before this podcast is, is posted, because the wise one will be posted first. Again, listeners, again, a peek behind the curtain, we've recorded this first. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also, uh, as far as the hamminess goes, when he takes off the, the helmet which I guess we find out later is a, a robot, not actually him, but I'm assuming he's controlling the robot directly. He's even hammier on television than he is when he has it on. And, and that I actually like. <laughs> I did too. I don't know why. <laughs> I can't explain why, but I like that he's hammier without the helmet. It's, it, because it's plain expectation. Expect him to sort of be normal. I mean, my favorite part is when Tinker calls him a, a fool for designer robot that looks just like him and and he says and let anyone take credit for the role of Mysterio and Tinker just says actors I mean if you spend enough time <laughs> around actors you know that this is true <laughs> although typical of a writer to say that <laughs> <laughs> that is also true well they hang out together <laughs> but yeah that one. Um, so yeah yeah Mysterio I, it's mixed feelings I, I wish they would have toned him down slightly then this would probably be my favorite version of it but as it stands, I think he goes a little over the line. And how, like, how would you rank this as far as other versions that we've seen of Mysterio? Because I'm something. To, uh, this is one of my least favorite versions. I don't know why. This is definitely not the worst. I'm trying to think of other versions. I mean, I don't. Rec- I never watched much of the '60s show. I know he was in Amazing Friends, but I don't remember too much. They did like a Spidey Goes Hollywood episode, I think, with the Amazing Friends. Is that right? So. It was, yeah, it was more or less the uh, it was more or less the same as the comic strip version from the late seventies. And I know but the Hulk was, was like, in that. He was like a uh, yeah, he was like a former 
in, in the comic strip, I will explain this. He was like a, a former special effects guy, much like he usually is, except yeah. it was the added wrinkle that uh, Spidey had gone out west to do a Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. And the director of the movie was Mysterio's ex-wife. <laughs> so he was trying to win her. He was trying to win her back <laughs> by, by just screwing up with Spider-Man. That was weird. But it and I remember Mysterio in the 90s show. He was actually, I think, one of my best... I actually really enjoyed that version of Mysterio. Mysterio, and uh, I forget if he was in the MTV show or not. Was he? Uh, I don't know. I don't think he was. Was he in Ultimate? Possibly. I'll have to check. I don't know. I don't hmm. remember off the top of my head. Yeah, the 90s show version is my favorite also, but I think the reason for that is because they actually gave a reasonable explanation for how his, his abilities work. Holograms. Which has always been the one hang-up with the character I have, where he can conjure up illusions that actually do damage to people. It's never made sense. Yeah. Well, here they sort of explain that, too. I mean, this is all... I mean, he's working with Tinker, and when and when he, that's part of the equation, it uh, it makes sense. And actually, that sort of makes sense with the Roger Stern retcon. Also, nice nod to that, because didn't Tinker and Mysterio work together in a Roger Stern retcon? Yeah, but that wasn't... It, it was like a one-time thing. They had been working together on that particular... Yeah. But it wasn't that Tinker had been supplying his tech the whole time. Right. But in this show, they seem to be partners. Yeah, but see, doesn't that just make Mysterio a lamer character? Because I, I feel like with these guys, it, it, it's an interesting wrinkle oftentimes when they come up with their own technology. Like, that's always the thing I've liked about the Shocker in the comic books, is that he actually invented his own stuff. Uh, and that it sort of, it sort of I, I, demonstrates I, I, that if he hadn't been such a goon, he could have actually done something with the fact that he's actually a pretty smart guy. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying here. I, I I think ultimately we don't know enough about this version of Quentin Beck's past really to really tell. I mean, maybe he was maybe he and Tinker worked together on this on this stuff. But but, but I get what you're saying though. That is a legit criticism if that is the case. Um, you know, I mean, I don't disagree with your criticisms. I just enjoyed the character more than you do. If, how I would rank this Mysterio, I think he's probably my favorite adaptation of Mysterio. But at the same time, I get why he, why someone wouldn't care for this version. And again, I've heard your criticism before, and I, and believe me, I get it. So this is not one I'm going to hold your feet to the fire and say, "What the hell are you talking about?" About because I get it. I get where you're coming from. But um, no, that's the that's the next episode. <laughs> Actually, well, uh, I might not disagree with you when we get to that one. No, 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 no. I'm saying I'm going to argue why I think Craven is awesome. <laughs> I know you're not going to be with you on that. Whoa! <laughs> Sneak preview, folks. Sneak preview. Whoa! I don't even want to hear your story. Oh, you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. Oh, wait. The wrong show. Sorry. <laughs> oh, this is, this is really fun. Damn it, now I can't wait to get to the next one. This, we need to talk more about this episode. Is there uh, anything else to talk about in this episode besides Mysterio? I, I like the angst. That's funny. I like the angst. I like the fact that Peter and Gwen can't seem to, you know, hook up. Is it a little over the top? Sure. I like MJ's um, walking up to Gwen and going, okay, girl, still, seriously. <laughs> um, more or less. Not, not quite that way, but you know what I mean. Like that was that was good. I liked the fact that they toned down um, Liz's accent a little bit. Yeah, they did. I this, they they, they it, definitely did. I think Alana Ubach sounds much better this season than last. Yes. So, yeah. 
So I, that was a definite plus. I like Liz and how she how she um, is got the. I love how like all three of them are like you got MJ looking at Gwen, looking at Peter, and then you got Liz behind them. She's just stewing because the two of them are making oogly eyes at each other, and she's like, "Oh hell no, not my man!" And we have a lot more to say. We'll have a lot more to say about Liz as the season progresses. But I think this is the most likable version of Liz in anything yeah. ever, by far. There isn't even any competition. Yeah, I didn't like Liz in the first season, but I'm starting to. I, I definitely warmed up to her in the two episodes we watched for tonight. I, I agree. I did too. I felt the same way when I was watching this first time. I didn't care for Liz in the first season, but now I'm like, wow, you're not bad. You know, I think, you know, I think part of the thing is, um, and this might be dipping into uh, the next episode a bit much, so stop me if it's going there. But uh, the idea that you're playing the, the two, one who's assertive and the other one who isn't against each other, is something that I think a lot of people have been a part of. Like, I could see relationships of mine in the past in the in the way that this is playing out. And I find it interesting because it, everybody has that sense of when you miss out on something. Because you didn't step up at the right time, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so we can both, at the same time, you can commiserate with Gwen's situation, but at the same time not hold it against Liz because she essentially went for what she wanted, and that's yeah. not explicitly a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And and to be fair to Gwen, let's be honest, she did take a very big emotional risk by doing that in the... It, in the last episode, I mean, uh, how many of us have wished we had done that? Hell, I remember being an awkward teenager. Hell, I'm still a goddamn awkward adult. <laughs> well, the one problem I have with that, though, is that she has that burst of, of assertiveness where she goes out and tries it, and then she just reverts back to being the same character again. She, that yeah, feels she did, a little off. Yeah, she did that, and then she panicked. She freaked. Yeah, but that, it, that, felt, a little, that felt a little false to me. Yeah. I felt like... Perhaps it should have been either a gradual rolling back, or, or they should have addressed it maybe a little differently. I, I don't, I don't like that aspect of it. But overall, I can't really complain because I think overall it plays out pretty well. Yeah, and also, um, well, it's going to get more awkward for Peter, Gwen, and everyone involved as the season progresses. <laughs> yes. Uh, can we talk about that dinner scene? Oh yeah, with the with the Osbournes and the Connors. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's a fun scene. Sort of. The, the adults sit in them down, and uh, one of them happens to be a homicidal maniac. Or is it only one of them? Well, yeah, possibly. Two or more. <laughs> yeah, we'll, t- we'll talk more about Miles in the next one, but, but I do like how he's introduced here as a, uh, he seems like a pleasant fellow, I mean, uh, smart guy. We'll talk more about him in the next one. I'm going to have a lot to say about Miles in the next one. I'm, I'm sure Zach will, too. Miles um, Ward is one. not my favorite character! Gerard? <laughs> what was that? That was almost my Joker. Yeah, what the hell was that? Um, I wanted to to one. I was wondering because my my memory of this is fuzzy, and I think Zach might be the person to ask for this. Uh-oh. Is the idea that Mister Warren, the high school teacher, and Professor Warren, the the you know in the comics, being brothers, is that sort of like? Is, is that ever been confirmed as canon, or is that still more or less like a fan explanation? I that believe it was confirmed in Untold Tales of Spider-Man. Bertoni, get in here. Uh, <laughs> you don't need Bertoni. You got the Clone Saga expert here. Come on. Um, well, I'm talking that wishy-washy answer you just gave. No, I, I, 
I am, I'm almost positive, though, that I think Stan Lee may have made an offhand comment on it, but it was it was confirmed in Old and Told Tales of Spider-Man as accepted. Okay. Care. But I think Stan okay. may have done like an offhand comment that Professor Warren and them were and, and Miles were related. Yeah, I also remember well, this. I, I think in Stan's case, though, it was with him using names like he usually did. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm almost. I mean, how many how many characters named Blackie showed up in Silver Age Marvel comics? That's true. Blackie Jackson, yeah. Blackie Draco. Yeah, I also remember at one point Dan Slott asked on Twitter whether Mr. Warren's name, the brother Aaron, was initially given the first name of Aaron, was from the comics because he was apparently writing a script that involved him, and he asked out on Twitter because he. Dan Slott has seen the show, and uh, apparently that's one of the few things that Greg Wiseman has got wrong, that it wasn't his first name. Although in their defense, apparently the real first name, which I don't even remember, came from a very, 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 very obscure source. That's no excuse, because if you're going to name the actor in season one, St. John Devereaux, and which is obscure enough, you can't go around claiming obscurity on getting a, a relatively well-known character's name wrong. So, ah, a pox on you, Perry Furness, for your lame explanation. <laughs> nah, I don't give a damn. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> but, but yeah, just, I mean, it's, uh, but yeah, I, I enjoy this scene. Emily Osborne, of course, doesn't give a crap, and, uh... And I do like yeah, how they kind a, of... A teaser goes absolutely nowhere, which is one of the more annoying aspects of the season. Yeah, well, we didn't get a third season. That's one of those things where you can't do a full season season like that with no guarantee of another one. Uh, no. That just comes, that just comes across as holding back ideas, and that's always a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, we could have, got, we could have gotten Marina Sirtis. <laughs> <laughs> I There's also a team... Speaking of things and uh, teasing things that will come, this one this one doesn't end up going nowhere, but the, the teasing of the master planner at the end of the episode. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed that. And uh, and I remember thinking, although we'll talk more about this, thinking, of course, this is going to be Doc Gock, although there was a part of me thinking, are they going to make a chameleon just because we had, obviously, made Shocker Montana, and even though I didn't buy into it, the possibility that Norman wasn't the goblin is in here also, so I was wondering, even though in my gut knew it was going to be Ock, I kind of wondered, is it going to be chameleon? So we saw these two people working for um, for chameleon last time, and uh, also in the next episode, we have Craven, and chameleon and Craven are obviously related, although the show never confirms that, at least in but, um, that shield doesn't belong wonder. to you. Granted, yeah, you I'm, don't uh, deserve it. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go My on, father on. made that shield. I mean, the identity of the master planner is in a cell not a spoiler. You're assuming that it's some kind of spoiler. But I think they'll get to talk immediately in the credits of the next episode because they just flat out say that Peter McNichol is the voice of the master planner. Oh, and this one, too. Oh, they did. I didn't, even, I didn't catch that. Yeah, so well, I didn't check the credits for this and, and even when I was thinking Chameleon, I was thinking, okay, okay, Chameleon can change his voice. Maybe they're playing with us, but obviously they weren't. And but oh, well, they, I mean, they never really make it a mystery so much. Like to say the Green Goblin's identity is a mystery. It's just something. They... I loved it. I loved it a lot. I love the fact that that um, Norman Osborn and, and Miles Warner working together. Not like you know. Not like how you expect them to, but how they just are in the same room together and like it's like oh the irony. So they get even more ironic as the season goes. I know. I, know. I didn't get my clothes on. <laughs> we were going to. I'm certain of that. 
He wouldn't have done it if there wasn't a guarantee. But he should have. He just teased us, and I just. I, I, I'm sorry. Go to Gerard. <laughs> I do. With I'm, imagine, I'm imagining uh, when Terrell Owens had that press conference. He was my quarterback. Oh, there you go. I see how it is. I'm imagining, your, I'm imagining you wearing sunglasses and your face scrunching up like that. That's my quarterback. <laughs> it's my okay, quarterback. I, I, I really kind of enjoy how the Warrens and the uh, and Norman kind of. Uh, I, I guess my po- I guess my point is that I thought it was a little strange that they were just introduced as friends in this episode with seemingly no back his previous established back his thing. I get that. I, well, obviously more. Because when you're that. throwing, I guess, I guess when you're throwing this many new characters at you in one episode, they do. They throw a few of them in there, and a few more than than I in the following episode. And also, then crisscrossing relationship gets a little strange because. I guess this isn't a complaint about the show, it's more a complaint about fiction in general. But when you have a universe that in which you have very few characters that have significant roles, having all of them somehow know each other comes across as contrived. I get the complaint, but it, I mean, obviously, the um, Amazing Spider-Man movies are doing that. We're doing that on an even on a far worse level than this. I mean, like for example, Mysterio here is not connected to Oscorp. There's a supervillain who doesn't come from Oscorp. So I, I get what you're saying, but I don't think they're overdoing it the way, say, the the ASM movies were. I don't know. This is near, of course, well, don't bring up those ASM movies in comparison to anything because that's just <laughs> that's a low hanging fruit. Those movies are just goddamn awful. You <laughs> you are correct. Thank you for keeping me intellectually honest. Also, I will say this though: <laughs> you're talking about Mysterio for a second in the fight scene where they have the multiple Mysterios. I know that's like a, a, a trope with Mysterio, but I like that they, they use that effect in here. So, Although, bonus points to them for having them be robots instead of holograms like it usually is. Yes. Which of us is the real one? By the time you figure it out, it'll be too late. <laughs> no, 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 no. You didn't do it right. Which one of us is the real one? Before, by the time you figure it out, it'll be too late. Payback for what? You did it all to yourself. Yes, that's what my psychiatrist said. But you know what? His sessions never made me feel this good. <laughs> best line from the entire <laughs> '90s show, by the way. The best line from the entire '90s show. No, the best line from the entire '90s show was "Shocker, you can't <laughs> escape me. I'll chase you to the ends of the earth." And thank you for giving me another excuse to put that clip into a into a podcast. Get back here, Shocker! Shocker! You can't escape me! I'll chase you to the ends of the earth! <laughs> that was my intention. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a puppeteer. Dangling your string. Excellent. But, um... But yeah, back to the dinner scene. Uh, as near as I can tell, like I said, the the Connors Labs getting more funding now that Miles Warren has come back, so we're getting more grants. And Norman talked Miles into doing this, and uh, so um, we'll see what ha- so we'll see what happens. Obviously, we'll see where that goes. But um, oh yeah, and by the way, if you've ever spent time around the scientific community, having another scientist just come in from out of nowhere and horn in on your gig is not something that you just take lightly, like Kirk Connors does in this episode. Well, they need, they needed funding, and obviously this is gonna and this is gonna go very south for Kurt as the season progresses. Yeah, yeah. I like that Warren's a bit of a magnificent bastard too. Mm-hmm. So. Oh yeah, I think Norman knows what he's doing here. 
Of course, because he's one of the five characters involved in the shadowy conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> the conspiracy for the conspiracy. I, I think it's a lot more straightforward than a lot of that stuff in the '90s comics. But we'll uh, talk about that more as things go on. And uh, let's see, is there anything else to discuss as far as this episode goes? I feel like I ragged on this episode a lot, but I actually kind of like it. What's our grades? Yeah, what are our grades? Okay, we'll go first. Gerard, you go first. What's your grade on this episode? I gave a lot of negatives, but this is one of those ones that's a lot better than this one this part. I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, I wish they had lightened up on a few things, but it's like a good uh, B minus somewhere around there. It's just above average episode, but not much more than that. Yeah, I'm giving it an A+. Plus. I thought it was a good opener. I like it a lot. It's not a perfect episode, but it's a fun episode. I love the snow effects. I love the animation in this one, and uh, and I and, and it was really fun. Zach, your grade? I'm going to give this a B+. Plus because I... Playing it down the middle again. Good old non-controversial Zach. Hey. Yeah, I gave it a B+, plus too. Uh, you, you <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought I heard A+, plus in, my, in my plus, head. You said A+, dude. No, I said B plus. No, you said A. You lied. I said I said I said B. You know, you said A. <laughs> I said check B. The tape. Al, when you go back and when you go back and check Zach's math, also go back and <laughs> check Greg said check A the plus. Tape. I he said I A plus. I said right after that that it wasn't a perfect episode. Either. I know that's why I raised my that's why I raised my eyebrow like that's an odd thing to say. If I said A plus, we will check the tape after as I edit this. It was I, I, I was misspeaking because I meant B plus. Okay. Okay. All right. Way to backtrack, Bashansky. <laughs> I'm sitting I'm sitting back down now. I'm putting my monocle back on. <laughs> Baron Struka. I was thinking penguin. <laughs> Mysterio says you can contact us at spectacularradio at gmail.com or 818-925-6631. That's 818-9-CLONE-1. Be sure to say which show you're calling for. And, yeah, you can, always, you can also go to spidey-dudes.com and reply or go to our new Twitter feed, S Dude Podcasts. That's S Dude Podcasts. Or you can go to the Facebook page, Spidey-Dude.com, or at Spidey Dude Radio Network. Join us next time where we talk about Craven the Hunter, football injuries. I'm sure Zach's all over that one. Craven <laughs> the Hunter will be making an appearance next next episode. And Miles Warren. Again, we're going to be talking a lot about Miles Warren next time. <laughs> I know, well, Zach's, having, that. Zach's having a geek chasm. <laughs> and, um, and said, join us. Keep listening to us and join us for our next interview with Greg Wiseman and whatever guests we happen to bring on. Ooh, who must it be? Will it be Mysterio? I don't think so. <laughs> we'll now see you, you next time, it. everybody. Mysterio out! You belong, you belong, you belong, you belong to the Merry Marble Marching Society. March along, march along, march along to the song of the Merry Marble Marching Society. 
Okay out there in Marvelland, face front, this is Stan Lee speaking. You've probably never heard a record like this before because no one would be nutty enough to make one with a bunch of offbeat artists, so anything is liable to happen. Hey, who made you a disc jockey, Lee? Well, well, Jolly Jack Kirby, say a few words to the fans, Jackson. Okay, a few words. Look, pal, I'll take care of the humor around here. You, you've been using the same gags over and over for years. Well, you can't accuse me of being fickle, can you? By the way, Jack... The readers have been complaining about Sue's hairdo again. What am I supposed to do? Be a hairdresser? Next time I'll draw her bald-headed. Boy, I'm glad we caught you and you were in a good mood. Oh, Stan, do you have a few minutes? For our fabulous gal Friday? Sure. Say hello to the fans, Flo Steinberg. Hello, fans. It's very nice to meet you. As Marvel's corresponding secretary, I feel as though I know most of you from your letters. By the way, Saul Brodsky wants to say a few words. Saul Brodsky? Who's he? Stan, the fans know you have a bad memory by all the mistakes you make, but this is ridiculous. He's been your associate for years. Really? We ought to start paying him one of these days. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. And how come I don't get my name plastered all over the mags like you do? Because I can't spell it, that's why. Well, as long as you've got a good reason. Hey, what's all that commotion out there, Sol? Why, it's shy Steve Ditko. He heard you making a record and he's got Mike fright. Whoops, there he goes. Out the window again? You know, I'm beginning to think he is Spider-Man. You mean he isn't? Who said that? Just that lovable old letter of me. It's adorable Addie Simic. What brought you here? The subway. Oh, well, ask a bonehead question, Flo. Stan, Sam Rosen is on the phone. How are the letterer? My competitor? Just for fun, Artie, you talk to him. Hi, Sam. This is Artie. How's it going, pal? Just great, Artie. I sure admire your lettering. I admire yours, too, Sam. I think you're tops. Thanks. Well, nice talking to you. The pleasure was all mine. I never could stand that guy. Well, that's our Artie. Just imagine what Sam is saying about him now. Well, let's see who else we can get on this record. How about Chick Stone? Okay. Hi, Chick. How's Tricks? Fine, Stan. I'm reading the latest story. It's great. What a thriller. Now, that's what we like to hear, Chick. Which one of our comics is it? Who's reading a comic? This is a novel about James Bond. I can't wait to finish it. Well, we're going to miss Chick around here. Oh, look who just came in. Kid Daredevil himself, Wally Wood. Is that a tape recorder, Flo? You know I'm afraid to talk into these machines. I can never think of anything to say. I'm not a big talker. I shut up like a clam. I get struck dumb. My mind goes blank. Okay, okay, okay. Forget it. Boy, I'd hate to hear you when you feel like talking. Stan, Dick Ears is on the phone. Let's surprise him. Hi, Dick. We have a recorder playing, and you're talking to millions of people right now. You're some kind of nut or something? I just want to tell you I want to raise. Dick, don't you understand? People are listening. You're talking to the whole world. I always knew you'd crack someday, Lee. Just my luck, it had to happen when I asked you for some more dough. Well, I'm going back to Sergeant Fury. Goodbye. Another phone call for you, Stan. Oh, not anymore. I'm getting an earache. But it's darn heck. The idol of the Iron Man fans? The ace of the Avengers? Hi, Don. What's doing? Uh, Stan, I was just wondering, uh, wasn't I supposed to draw Iron Man last week? Sure. Why do you ask? So how come you mailed me a Patsy Walker script? Yipe! Did I do that? That's awful. Oh, well, don't worry. I'll send it back to you. That's not why I'm worried. I must have sent your script to Al Hartley. I can just imagine Iron Man looking like Patsy Walker, this issue. Okay, talk to you later, Don. Don't worry about it, Stan. Don't you remember that Al Hartley used to draw adventure strips? 
It may not be too bad. Well, well, look who's here. Stan G., our demon colorer. I've been meaning to talk to you, Stan. When are you going to remember it's the Hulk who has green skin, not Captain America? Gee whiz, the guy can't remember everything. Anyway, I had to tell you what MMMS meant last week, and you're the guy who made it up. But when I forget something, it's different. Yeah, it's worse. Stan, this is the most confused record I ever heard. Great, Sol. Just what we want. If it were anything else, it wouldn't be the nutty Marvel bullpen. Gosh, we don't have time for George Bell and Vince Coletta and Larry Lieber and Bob Powell and... That's great. Now, if we ever form another club, we'll have something new to offer. Voices that haven't been heard yet. Enough said, Sol. Now, let's all get back to work in the bullpen, and as for you, marvelous Merry Marchers, welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Okay, let them hear it, gang. Whoa! March along, 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 if you growl, if you groan, and your star is nearly zero, do not howl, do not moan, you can be a superhero, marching right along through the fighting stuff of the Mary Make your android look just like you. You could have made it look like anyone. Well, and let anyone take credit for the role of Mysterio? Actors. <laughs>